Welcome to the Get More Math podcast, where we support teachers in their quest for long-term student gains. This is a podcast for teachers to share their passion for math education, learn best practices from experts in the field, and swap ideas for student success. This is community. This is Get More Math. Welcome back, everyone, to the Get More Math podcast. I'm Derek Maxson, the president of Get More Math, and I'm here with Josh Britton, the founder of Get More Math. Josh, welcome back, and tell us a little bit about the interview for today. Today, we have a guest named Jeff Swore. He wears many hats. He is a high school learning support teacher. He's also the head coach of the baseball team at the high school, and he's also an author. He's written A Competitor's Heart and Musings. And also, as a bonus, he's an old friend. Well, this interview is great. I really enjoyed listening to it while we were recording. And so I'm going to just take us straight to the interview. Let's hear our conversation with Josh and Jeff. Well, good morning, Jeff. Thanks for coming. Mr. Britton, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to the conversation today. Let's start just by giving people a little context. Can you tell us about your pre-virus responsibilities? So I, this is actually my 20th year as a learning support teacher at a small school district in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Uh, we have about eh, between a thousand, anywhere between a thousand and 1200 students in our high school uh, about, I think the last check that we did prior to uh, the virus that was going on, uh, that's kind of impacted our education we have about 100 to 120 IEP students. Over the last 10 years, I've mainly been co-teaching in the area of algebra, but also providing replacement instruction, supplemental instruction to learning sports students, mainly focused in algebra, but covering a, a, a number of uh, math topics for them. I think we're in what, about week five of Pennsylvania's school shutdown? And I know there was some spring break time. Yeah, um, so... The way, the way I can remember that is uh, March 12th was our last day of school. We had a scheduled day off, a, uh, as funny as it may sound, a weather makeup day scheduled for March 13th, and we, we mm. hadn't had any weather to cancel school. And I know that because I also coach baseball, and I know we were on the field on March 13th at about 3, 3.30 when... Uh, Governor Wolf declared that we'd be closed for two more weeks. So I, I know that that March 13th date sticks in my head. And, you know, as, as we're here now, we're, we're about five weeks later from that particular date. So I'm guessing by now your school district has sort of, to some degree, settled a little bit, at least into what your ex expectations are for the rest of this school year. Can you give me a summary of what that looks like? This past week was our first, I'm going to say, air quotes, official week of us significantly connecting with kids in to move things forward in our curriculum. The two weeks prior to that were to connect with our kids um, and get them set up in some review so we make sure we didn't lose skills. In my mind, in my mind, those first two weeks um, were all about us creating the routine, uh, our routine for our kids. Now, it was easy for us to say during those first two weeks that that things were not mandatory. They were not being graded. So I would, uh, if I go back and I, I'm not going to say I've created the data, but just kind of looking off my head, had about 50% of my students have some type of contact 
uh, at that time. And mostly what I consider contact is logging into the video conferences, uh, the connections that we were making at that time. And then uh, this past week, I, I honestly, a real awesome thing for me was we started on Tuesday. We kind of had Monday as like the day after the Easter weekend. And and Tuesday, we in my two learning support classes that I teach, uh, we had 100% attendance. 100% of the kids check in during the video conferences. And then in a class that I co-teach, uh, we have 22 students. And I believe we had uh, actually one of the students dropped because of, of this kind of move into a homeschool format. And we were at 21. So we had 20 uh, log in at that point. So for me, like attendance wise and connection wise was huge during this fir- first week. So it's just really helping the students establish what is a new, a lot of people say a new normal, but I say a new routine for them. So when you talk about routine and establishing routine, are there specific steps or advice you've given to kids to try to shape their mindset and their habits? I was, I'll, I'll answer that, that, or begin the discussion with a, a little bit from a learning support, special education standpoint. We have some students who struggle with routine, even when we have school going on. Okay. And school's pretty, you know, for us, it's pretty organized in that, Hey, a bell rings at seven thirty-five, and the day starts and a bell rings that, that ends that class and moves you to another class. And a bell then ends, uh, rings at two forty-five. So there's a lot of structure to it. That's now been taken away. So it leads us to something that we've done for our, our special education department is for our highest need students. When I say highest need, I say the students that need some of that structure. Um, we, we've taken it, we create a simple Google Doc for each of those kids. And so it, it says Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday has a, a column there for them in each of those days. And most importantly, on Tuesdays, the way our district has handled it, on Tuesdays and Thursdays, uh, we have assigned class meeting time. So we have a block schedule at our building. So we have four periods. So on Tuesdays and Thursdays, period one begins at eight o'clock and the students log in to a video conference with their teacher, just as if they were holding class remotely. Uh, That goes to 845. And then the same thing happens for period two at nine o'clock, period three at 10 o'clock and period four at 11 o'clock. So what we've tried to do for our kids is create a schedule and then have either the special education teacher or the regular education teacher get their link in that schedule and share that schedule with the kids. So they they have one place that they can go to, to say, okay, I click this link at nine o'clock, I'm going to go to my period two class and boom, there we are. Um, And and we're fortunate in the district and the school that, that we work at, that we have some many great teachers. And so trying to implement those things, albeit new here, uh, has not been difficult. They've, they've got those links in there and it's really helped our kids out in, in establishing that routine. For me specifically uh, with the kids, I, I, and actually this is kind of a shout out to one of my department members. I wasn't necessarily going to go this route, but another guy that teaches replacement math in our department uh, he was meeting with his kids on Monday and Wednesday as well. And I thought, you know, probably best that we do that consistently. So I, I term it as optional for them. Uh, but I also uh, am available on Mondays and Wednesdays at the same exact time that they would meet with me on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And 
again, while it's optional, I mean, I would say that we were probably in, in the first week on Wednesday, we were probably at about 50% of the kids logging in then and connecting with me remotely on those like quote optional or what, what our district terms as asynchronous times where they, they might have some other activity that the kids are doing. Let's, let's go back to that Google doc for a moment. So you've got it Monday through Friday Mm -hmm. and you've got links to, uh, I guess it's it's your whatever your video mechanism is your platform for specific times. Do you put other content on the columns as well? Okay, so since we're sharing that individually with a student, what I do is just leave that link in there. Then in our management platform, which we use Schoology, which in our management platform, I will put a weekly schedule that's kind of general for our class. And basically, it involves them logging in, completing a certain number of problems. It also have links to something actually I, I completed about two two school years ago was for probably eighty percent of the curriculum, eighty percent of the lessons that we teach. I have a video lesson that goes with that. Oh, that's great! So one of the, yeah, one of the things within our classes, we just have multiple levels of kids and and you can throw around the term differentiated instruction if you want a buzzword, Um, but we need to differentiate a lot of things. We just have a lot of kids at at different places and that's one of the struggles, but also the beauties of special education is you've got these kids that learn at different paces. You've got these kids that are at different spots. Well, you know, having those video lessons allows me to kind of split into 10 people, so to speak, if I need that, it's just kind of sending those, those links out there for them. So actually just before we, we started this conversation, I was developing the next week's schedule to be like, Hey, these are the core concepts that we're going to cover. If you need more, here's a link to this particular video to be able to, to reinforce that learning or expose you to that learning and then we're going to go ahead and see see how much of that you retained and what you know from that. So let me see if I understand this. You're saying you have four out of five of your lessons actually already, uh, you've already created videos to instruct kids on that. Are you differentiating to the point that like you might give a kid, one particular kid, a video for a lesson that's on content, I don't know what to call it, content A, we'll call it, and then a send a different video link to a different kid for content B? Is it that differentiated? Yeah, most definitely. So to give you this, this might be like going, okay, where we've, we've started the conversation at pre-virus responsibilities. We're moving into, um, you know, school closure responsibilities and how that works. But really what, what, what I sat down and looked at is I said, look, you know, here we are, I'm going to use the date April 5th because that's about two year, two years, two months before we would end this school year. And I'd say, look, these are the, fi-, I, I went through and I was like, these are the 15 skills that when we get done, we want our kids to know. Okay. Okay. And so basically what, what I, what I went through is I, and I showed that with the kids, like first meeting on Tuesday was like, look, I, I hope this doesn't overwhelm you because you're seeing everything. But we're going to go step by step. And lo and behold, when I came up with that number 15, I just went back and I looked. And literally, there were 16 Tuesdays and Thursdays between then and the end of when, when, we, would, when we would end. And I was like, this is perfect. So I just said to the kids, look, we're looking at getting these done one at a time. And so on those off days, you log in, you do a couple problems that are reviewed just to keep you fresh. And as we move forward, by the end, you've got these 15 skills. So 
Um, this morning was open office hours for me, so it was not required, but we had a kid log in. And basically, I said, look, I'm pretty sure you know how to do this skill. We've done it before. I'm going to give you this problem type. It was solving two-step equations. See if you can do it. I said, I'm here if you got help. Literally, the kid was at, uh, after like 15 minutes was like, hey, Mr. Swore, I'm good. I got that all done. And he hadn't said anything to me. Oh, that's beautiful. And lo and behold, he went and, and got them all done. So I have the ability, I'm pretty sure that with, with all those 15 skills, I could provide a video lesson to them that they could watch and go do. Now, a simple little concept the other day, like we taught four, four types of rate of change, uh, four types of slope uh, to them previously, but it's a skill I want to make sure they have. So they finished with going rule to graph. And then, boom, I said, hey, I don't know if you need to watch this video, but I'm going to give you these problems, see what you can do. And lo and behold, they did five of them. I was like, all right, checkbox. So basically, I'm sharing with the kids like their progress that, okay, they've checked skill one, they've checked skill two, they've checked skill three. Okay, we're going to move on to skill four. So talk about differentiated. Literally, uh, we've got in, in my first period class, I've got 15. It sounds like that number is coming up a lot. I've got 15 kids. They could be on 15 different skills. That's fantastic, Jeff. I, I hear the enthusiasm in your voice <laughs> and the organization in your thinking. It sounds like uh, I hear a measure of optimism. Like this is me just guessing a little bit, but it sounds like you're thinking, wow, we can move forward and we can make gains. So, so there's two things that have come to my mind in this whole situation. I've used them with our baseball team. I've said it to fellow staff members. I say it to our kids is there's no playbook for this situation. Like this didn't happen 20, 30 years ago. And people were like, oh, well, this is what we did then. So let's try this. Like that's not there. Okay. So that's my one. I got to keep reminding myself and others that like, look, there's no playbook. Everybody's doing the best they can. Parents are doing the best they can. Um, As I sit here and give this interview, like my wife's working like crazy because we got three boys. Two of them are in school, two different schools. Uh, two different grade levels, and and we're trying to figure all that. Parents are doing their best. Teachers are doing their best. Um, students are doing their best. Like everybody's doing their best with no playbook. And then the second piece of that is, um, you know, I, it's, it's a quote that I, I think I've kind of put together, but it's probably from a, a myriad of different places. Is just where there's great challenge, there's great opportunity. Mm-hmm. So we've got some great challenge here. Like, again, nobody's ever seen this challenge, whether it's in school, whether it's, you know, in our country or in our community, like this challenge has never been here before. And there's some type of opportunity. And that doesn't mean we're trying to exploit that opportunity. Right. You know, for goodness sake, nobody's like signed up for this, this, this challenge, but there is some opportunity here. And for me, I'm a very, you know, I'm a very linear thinker. So I was like, all right, what can we make this do to be the easiest for kids to know what the expectations are? And so this is what I'm going with. It's my best right now. It's my playbook, which is maybe we're developing as we go. You know, you you just said uh, nobody signed up for this challenge. I got to say, Jeff, I feel like in my own life, and I am 50, so I've got a lot of years to look back on. Most of the most significant challenges I definitely did not sign up for. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And and yet, uh, from, you know, from the perspective of looking back over those years, many of those challenges, indeed, it turns out, were opportunities. In fact, Get More Math is an example where um, I was given a, a classroom that had all computers in it. And at, at first, I viewed that as a, a con. I was like, wait, I don't have room for my desks. We're going to be crowded. These computers are in the way. And uh, 
nevertheless, it turned out that's the semester where I started doing get more math. And it's because I had computers available. So anyway, that whole idea of not choosing the challenge, boy, that resonates for me. I am curious, as you are legally obligated to ensure that your kids are uh, have all their needs met as specified in individual education programs, are you finding there are some obligations that are harder to meet? I, I think that everybody, include myself, I include parents, I include other teachers, are used to meeting those obligations as they appear on paper in a brick and mortar school. And we meet those obligations and they look different now. And nobody really thought that what it would be like to implement them remotely. Mm -hmm. You know, each Friday right now, we as a special education department meet virtually. And the one thing that one of my fellow department members said today, like we started off the meeting and and we just said, all right, let's, what's one positive from the week trying to, because you know, when you get a group of people together, it's, it's, it's easy to go down the commiseration road, you know, and, and say like, because naturally they want to look at ways they can make things better. Right. Okay. It is not in a negativity way. It's just like, okay, here's some of the struggles. What can we do to make it better? And, and it was just like, we started with the positives and, and, our department shared a lot of positives, but there's one that really stuck out. And and this department member said, you know, the positive for me is all of you. Like everybody here is finding ways to make this work. And again, we're in a fortunate situation where we have involved and supportive parents. So it's not like an, like a, a, a struggle between those two entities, the school and the parents. Excellent. It's a, what can we do to work together? And, you know, that's the one thing about this historic, I I keep saying the word historic time, because it is, you know, it's historic and people, it's, I think, you know, maybe this is, as I'm talking about it, one of the challenges that we look at and the opportunity is, is like, you know, I show a little patriotism here, like Americans have typically found a way to work together to conquer what's in front of them. And, and they want to find those resources. If it's from a person sitting in their home to make a mask to give to someone else, to us working together as school and parents for the, for the kid. And I think when you do the best you can to put students first, that that, that that happens. Now, are we going to be perfect at it? No. But I just think it's allowed us to look at how those things happen differently. Great communication from parents. I mean, it's essential. Or do we live in a perfect world where everyone's sitting there with their child while they're doing their work? Like, no, but we can't expect that to happen. But it's just a different way to, to manage those. And I think, yeah, do we have to tweak some things, put some language in there? Sure, we might have to do that. But it's, again, like what we're doing is to advance that child. So it just might look a little different now. So I am going to switch gears now and move over to your other or at least one of your probably many other big responsibilities and uh, talk about baseball just a little bit. So you're a baseball coach, right? Yep. How long have you been coaching? It's an interesting little story. Um, you know, that's a, that's a loaded question. You put that there and you're like, oh, he's going to give me a number of years and we can move on to the next question. So I, I, I have to tie something in that you mentioned earlier and I'll put these couple of things together. So if you start back when I started teaching 20 years ago, I was like, oh, I'm going to be a high school teacher for a couple of years and I'm going to coach baseball the rest of my life. Like that's uh, what I'm going right. to be doing. Uh, and that's, that's not the case. And, and to bring to present day, I feel like I'm truly doing what I was called to do. 
in that meantime, while I was like, hey, I'm just going to coach baseball, I, I was uh, an assistant coach at a at a liberal arts school, Franklin and Marshall, actually not that far down the road from, I believe, your alma mater of uh, Haverford. And we would we would play them. But I was there for a couple of years. Then I was the head baseball coach at Millersville for two years, all the while, you know, coaching or teaching at, at the district that I teach at. And then I really, really, really had a, a, had a tough time in 2007. We were we were very bad at the Division two school that I coached at. And uh, um, I ended up coming back to full time teaching and I kind of with my heavy between my legs, so to speak, kind of the first time I really, really struggled. And that was a mess. And I use that word mess for a reason. I want to give credit to Dr. Rob Bell. He's a, I read a book of his called The Hinge, and it was like you turn your mess into your message. And so for me, it, it really was a mess that put me on a path of like, all right, what am I really about? Like, am I just trying to get wins and losses? Uh, mainly wins, hopefully. But is Or are we about impacting people? And so it's come full circle. So you asked how long I've been coaching. This is actually the first year back as a head coach at the high school that, that I teach at. So here we are, you know, I'm like, I'm ready to change the culture of the program. I'm ready to like put, put the fingerprints the, you know, the stamp on it. And we literally like, we've worked all year. Like October 7th was the, the day that, that I was approved by the school board and we meet the next day. Um, and, you know, our guys work out in November, December, we're in the gym, we're getting outside when we can, uh, we're practicing on the, on the field. And then now we have no season. Um, so what do we do? And so you talk about passion and this is where if I'd have gone back, you know, 13 years ago in 2007, our season would have been over. I'd have been done. We, we wouldn't have been meeting with the players and the year would be over and we'd be looking to collect uniforms, but that's not what we're doing. Uh, since we stopped practicing, we've been holding virtual practices every Tuesday and Thursday, uh, beginning at three o'clock, which is our normal practice time. So on Tuesdays, we just, it's kind of a shorter time. It's just a check-in. I want to see the guys' faces. I want to make sure everything's okay with them. And quite frankly, to the point where one of our players, I usually ask, hey, how are things doing? Everybody good? Anything I need to know? Everybody healthy? And one of our players, uh, he's like, coach. He's like, my dad was just just tested and, and tested positive. Mm. You know, so thank, thankfully, that was a couple weeks ago, and, and the trend is in a positive direction. We, we've continued that. And then I want to make sure I give a shout out to a couple people. Uh, Dr. Brett McCabe was one of them. He's a sports psychologist. He also, he happened to be a uh, baseball player in college at LSU and he won a couple national championships. So he carries some street cred, so to speak. And uh, he, he met with our team and it, it began there. I was like, oh, we can get some people. You know what? Everybody else is sitting at home. All right. You know, yeah. Not doing stuff. So uh, Jerry Weinstein is a, uh, I won't tell you how old he is. He told us how old he was when he met with the team, but he is a, a baseball legend. He has spoke, he is just a coach from high school to professional and it just loves the game. So he shared with our guys, uh, a week ago and just yesterday, uh, the Minnesota twins pitching coordinator happened to be a, a, uh, player of, of ours at Franklin and Marshall when I coached there. And he came and spoke to the guys and shared some time with us. So Thursday's our guest speaker. And then next week we have John Gordon, who's an author of The Energy Bus and many uh, bestsellers, has worked with a number of sports teams. He's coming to speak. 
so it's been great on, on one end to be able to bring those in. And again, so I go back to the challenge and the opportunity. It's a great challenge. Well, what are we going to do with our opportunity? You know, we have an opportunity to get our guys a little bit better. And, and my line to them this past week is we're not collecting uniforms. We're collecting improvement. And that's what we're trying to do with our guys right now. We'll collect them uniforms later. That'll happen. But we're trying to get a little better and we can do this, you know, in, in this way right now. That's great, Jeff. Uh, it sounds like, again, I, I it's fun. I, I can hear the enthusiasm in your voice. You've found ways to to make this time period valuable, meaningful, helpful to uh, your kids and to your uh, athletes as well. And congratulations on becoming head coach. This is a very <laughs> strange first year for being a head coach. It, it is. Well, we're undefeated. So, uh, <laughs> wow, that's fantastic. You know, yeah. And you, you said something right there. And I don't know if what it means to you, but it means something to me. Is And 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 you said was that you, you found a way. And honestly, like that's a hashtag I've used on social media lately. And, you know, our, our high school mascot happens to be Pioneers. Well, if you're going to be a pioneer, it's, it's you got to find a way. Jeff, you are one of the first people who ever used Get More Math. You know, I made it, I think, about 15 years ago. And sometime within a year or two after that, you would have been one of my co-teachers and started playing with it. I am super curious what the outsider's or insider-outsider's view was. What was that like there at the outset? I, you know, you, you brought that up. And the first thing that popped into my head was LSSDFS, run fast or whatever <laughs> we had to type in to run it. The first time, oh my right? Yeah. <laughs> right. I have no idea what that meant, but I knew I was the monkey and I could jump through the hoop for you on that one. Um, <laughs> um, so to me, when somebody is passionate about something, they're always going to find ways to tweak it and make it better. So when we started with, and I say we, I mean, it's really, I mean, it was developed by, by you. But when I say we, it was always the give and take of like, how can we make this better? Mm -hmm. How can we do this? And the end product was the kids performance, not the end product of get more math. It was the end product was this is having an impact for our students and their learning. And so, you know, I, I, I do a lot of reading and we talk about motivation and we talk about the, the carrot or the stick, you know, that you put in front of the, the kids, well, the crazy thing is much of that like carrot and stick in this environment is taken away. Like, oh, well, I'm not getting graded on this. Why do I do it? Okay. And I've really talked to our kids about we do things for learning, not for the grade. And I've, I've had that message from the beginning of class. Okay, from the beginning of the school year, and now it's reinforced. So to bring it back to what Get More Math has, I'm going to say, evolved to and started at was about making it better and making it better for the kids learning. Okay, well, now it's also deep down, these kids are motivated to learn. They're motivated by education to, to improve and to learn the grade ends up being that result. Hmm. Um, and this, you could get into a whole discussion on grading, but now it really brings philosophically to the forefront. If, if I'm not really being great, if there's like the kids don't see the grade, 
they see the learning, we've really reached utopia because Absolutely. now it's just about the learning, you know? And so again, where great challenge is great opportunity, you know, remove that grade and see what the kids do. And if they continue to work, you know what? We've got, we've got it. We've got it. You know, so for me, get more math, like to have a conversation with the kids, be like, all right, look, you know, you got, you know, we just introduced a skill. It's red. Ah, you know what? You got that yellow now. All right. That means you've improved. All right. You know what? Given a little later, it's green. Now I kind of chuckle because I, I'm not going to say I know all the algorithm behind it going from red to yellow to green to silver to gold. But I do know that if you do it over a long period of time, you're going to make that progression. So, hey, we got two months. Let's see. Do you have the ability to move that to yellow, to green, to silver? You know, and now that motivation is learning and there's no grade associated with it whatsoever. So, again, you could have a long discussion on grades, but it's the idea of that learning and the evolution of get more math, tweaking it to support that student learning to me is what it's always been about. Beautiful. That is very true. And and it's funny you talk about motivation. Um, I always found that students making gains and learning things, typically for most kids, that was massively motivational. And in particular for our clientele, these needier kids often, boy, they start to make gains. They start to understand math and you don't have to force them to do anything. They want to do more because it's it's so delightful to to find that they're actually successful after often prior years really stumbling, really struggling and experiencing math and trying to learn math is painful. To turn around and, and start building success is just, it's its own reward and it becomes massively like, it provides, provides its own rocket fuel. And then getting back to the development of Get More Math, I found that massively motivating. Seeing my kids excited about learning really excited me about, you know, improving the system and and putting more time into it so that be even more excited about learning. Knowing you long enough, I don't know if you remember this statement. I made it to you uh, because it was kind of a theme of mine uh, when when our oldest son was, you know, beginning preschool and, and we look at some things educationally. And my my statement and my belief was that I don't know where my child's going to go to school, what he's what what he's going to do. My goal is I just never want him to lose the joy of learning. Hmm. And I, I look at that in our students. And so, so now it's, it's kind of a little bit of a I mean, I've always taught high school. OK, always taught high school. And you've got some kids that are we use the word motivation like I like to use inspiration mainly because I think of inspiration as like coming from the inside. Motivation is typically that that comes from the outside. Okay. Uh, do, do we motivate? Sure. We motivate, but when we can get to a point where there's an inspiration, then again, like we've reached that top for the kid. But what I'm saying now to kind of tie it back is I'm just trying to watch my kids and say, okay, like I know kids at the high school, we've got a lot of kids that are really inspired, but we also have some that aren't. So where does that change? Okay, where did that change occur for them? Um, and, and obviously, that's also individualized. Hopefully, you know, the kids that we have, like, there isn't that change. But in sometimes it is. And we, we want to try and try and help them out through that. So whether that's they're inspired to learn, like, I'll have a number of kids, like, 
they're inspired to learn how to fix a car. Okay. And my dad is a mechanic for 40 plus years and we need those people. So let's make them have that joy in learning how to do that because we need those things. Absolutely. I, I have one more topic for questions. I think it, it's a, a different place for us, to, our conversation to go. I'm thinking a lot about the fall and what it will look like. Let's suppose the, the pandemic issues have settled. We're able to go back to our brick and mortar settings. But of course, with a five month out of building experience, if you will, what sorts of thoughts are you having about what that might be like? Well, I'm, I am very partial to the philosophy of we have to make connections with our kids first. And, and part of our professional development throughout this year was understanding the different places that our kids come from. Hmm. And we're, we're, we're in a, a district that's, we don't have as much adversity as other places. Okay. If we put it, if you were to just ask me on a scale of zero to 10 on the adversity that our kids face, zero being none at all and 10 being like the worst ever, I'd put us at like a three, four, you know, overall as a district. Now we have some kids that they're facing those eight, nine, 10 adversities and struggles that they bring into the classroom. But my, my basis and my start is always with relationships. And, and obviously when you teach algebra, you can you know, talk about relationships on, on one hand, but you can also talk about the human aspect of relationships. And I think that's a huge piece. So for me, coming back in the fall, it doesn't change. And what I mean by that is that's the basis. That's the basis. That's where it starts. If we don't connect with our kids, we, we, we're starting from behind. Okay. We're starting in the negative numbers as opposed to at least starting at zero. Um, and, and, and we've got to establish those relationships. So for me, that doesn't change. And, and, and quite frankly, I'll tell you the reason I firmly believe that the reason that kids continue to show up is because we've started with that focus, uh, that relationship that we can at least put that human face in front of them on the screen. Now, curriculum wise and where that goes is we're going to have to make changes. I mean, we are going to have to be adaptable. So if we, if we feel like we're going to do the best we can with our algebra one kids, but if we think as teachers that they're going to walk in as the same algebra two student at the beginning of that class, like ending that algebra one, we're kidding ourselves. Um, but again, it comes back to my core philosophy is we got to meet that kid. So we're going to have to make some adjustments and maybe this is to throw a little bit of coachism here. We don't, we don't have to make the adjustments. We get to make the adjustments. It's a privilege. Nice. Um, it's not something that we're required to do. It's something we need to do. We get to do it for our kids. Um, and so it's going to take some flexibility. And that's going to be tough because teachers are, are, are type A personalities. That, you know, they want, they're like, all right, well, I'm going to do this and we're going to do this. And you know, so it's going to take some adjustment. But it's, again, we, we got to make those connections and those relationships with those kids and see them as a people, a person first, and and a student second. And I tell our players that all the time. You're a person first, and a player for us second. That you're not a cog that we're going to put out on the field uh, to just do a job. You're a person, and you're a human. And I think the the, the challenge that we're having right now sh- shows our humanity. And if it doesn't, then we've done our our society a disservice. And so when we come back in the fall, if we don't show our humanity, we're doing our students a disservice. I I love that. I'm going to summarize at least how I hear what you're saying. In a sense, you're saying, Josh, nothing will change. 
in a way, because I know that you're already deeply focused and invested in relationship and you will once again invest in relationship. And I also know that you're actually very thoughtful about assessing each kid that walks through your door and you make a full commit to each one of those kids from day one and not just sort of relationally connecting, which is is at the core, but also tactically speaking, just identifying what they know, what they don't know, how you can support them. So you'll still do that. Maybe the difference will be there'll be some kids who don't know as much as they would have. But sort of practically speaking, that doesn't change anything. I mean, you always find what level they're at and where their gaps are and make plans to address them. So it's kind of interesting from your workflow and your style. It might just be double down and keep going. You you make me think of one thing, you know, some some people when they hear the the three letters IEP, they 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 worry, like a, a, maybe a teacher worries. Oh, am I going to be able to meet the meet the needs of this student? The parent might worry and say, "Oh, well, they have an individual education plan or program, and you know they're not quite at the level where everyone else is." And I look at it and say, "Well, you know what? In this situation, we have the ability to continue to do everything that we've been doing is work at that individual yeah. kid's needs, and we're just going to continue to do that." So. Again, one challenge is an opportunity. Well, Jeff, uh, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with us about what you're doing these days. It's, it is really wonderful just to catch up. Thanks so much for visiting today. I'll say it again. I mean, it's, it's relationships. Uh, and I, I choose one word each calendar year. Um, I've done that. That's, it's a little bit of a John Gordon thing. If you check that out, you go through a process where you choose one word. I've done this since 2014. And my word for the year of 2020 is authentic. Mm. And it's just, that's just what we're trying to do for our kids is, I mean, I love catching up with you because I think you're the same way. JB is just, it's, it's authentic. Like we, you're, it's like, here I am, here's, here's where we're going to be. Here's where we're going to go. And we're going to do the best we can. And I think that's what brings us to this situation that, we, that we're in right now. Well, thank you, Josh, and thank you, Jeff, for that interview today. Josh, how would you break down this interview into some things that we could use as takeaways, some highlights for us? Well, Jeff is a man of many ideas, and I really enjoyed how in our conversation, time and again, he would express something in a short way that was a powerful idea, that's something you could take away, such as the idea of having a single word to focus on for every year. So 2020 for Jeff is the year of authentic. I felt our conversation was very authentic. Got a sense of Jeff's heart, uh, of what Jeff is striving towards. One strategy that he mentioned, I just thought I'd, I'd call out, there were so many, was the idea of starting the weekly meetings with something positive. Uh, that sounded really important to me to set the tone where there's so many problems we need to deal with, so much that's new and different. Although I also loved how for Jeff, things being new and different, uh, he said this many times, these challenges that are presented to us really become opportunities. And you could hear uh, the excitement that he has about the opportunities. Certainly, uh, he's not wishing, he's not thinking, boy, it's better now that we have a pandemic. But he's saying, we've got this pandemic. How could we turn this around and make it into something that's uh, ends up being 
useful, that ends up being helpful, that ends up building people. He is clearly a people builder. During the interview, Jeff said that there's no playbook for teaching during the COVID crisis. But Josh, um, he seemed to present some principles that might be a playbook for him. Maybe some others could take from it. What are some of those plays that are in his playbook? Well, Jeff called out the importance of establishing routine, especially for the kids he's teaching, but really for anyone. Uh, Change in routine can be very difficult. So trying to carefully create a way to communicate exact routine to his students stands out for me. Uh, Another thing that apparently he was working on long before this happened uh, is just the idea that learning isn't about the grade. Working towards uh, an environment in which kids learn because they want to know more. And the grade just becomes a reflection of what they learned. Thank you, Jeff, for joining us on the Get More Math podcast. Thanks, Josh. It's always great to do this uh, together. And we will have another podcast next week as we continue to explore how to best educate students during the COVID crisis. Thank you for listening to the Get More Math podcast. We would like to invite all our listeners to visit our website at getmoremath.com, where you'll find helpful information about how Get More Math can help you transform the math education experience through targeted mastery and cyclical review. We would welcome you to take advantage of our free trial, which is good not only for the remainder of this school year, but also for the 2021 school year. If you think this podcast would be helpful to others, please share it, post it on social media, or leave us a rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have any comments or suggestions for future episodes, please send an email to podcast at getmoremath.com. See you next time on the Get More Math Podcast.